it's time for the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. I'm Rick Walker. And once again, we're here to talk about all things photography. Uh, this week, we're going to continue our exploration of important, famous uh, photographers in history. Uh, we've got a, a very good one for this week, but we'll get to that in a, in a little bit. But first, we wanted to bring you the news of the week, <laughs> the kind of interesting news of the week, which is the demise of DP Review, uh, probably the largest photography forum website out there, at least. I'm sure it is. I mean, for, for years. Well, both it of was, us, yeah, it'll wait a few weeks yeah. to say what. So it was announced this week that it was going to be terminated by its ownership uh, parent company. Uh, and I think its last day is April 10th or something like that. Um, so I thought we would maybe share a few thoughts on on this um, sort of interesting development. Because I think both of us over time have gotten value from various photography uh, discussion boards, um, discussion groups and forums. I think that's fair, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. um, you always have to be your own editor on all of those things and not take them at face value and you know try to sort out true. truth and corroborate stuff. True. But yeah. I mean, you can find in, you can find valuable stuff out there, and that included DP review for sure. Yeah, and there, there's some out there, and um, definitely you have to know how to have a good filter system. Well, that's what I was just implying. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean that 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 comes down from the from the standpoint of the forums. I mean, I, I will say that uh, you know I, I haven't participated in them because a lot of times they can degenerate into just ridiculousness very quickly um being echo chambers for utter nonsense in some cases so again mm -hmm. you got to be you got to be careful about that but dp review actually had a really good editorial board with their review uh team i think that was their real strength it was that, that was the whole point of it in the a, first place yeah i think they did a very good job with the reviews they didn't always make people happy but i think they were responsible and, and did a good job with them and had the right amount of detail I think their videos that they produced in recent years um, um, with uh, Chris Nichols and Jordan Drake, those were really good. Those are, I think, very trustworthy, very solid guys as reviewers. And I'm pleased that they're going to continue. I guess they're going to be doing it for Petapixel, probably the same basic program, and that's goodness. Yeah. But it was I mean, a surprise for sure. Yeah, I guess it, it is. It makes sense from a business standpoint. Yeah. Still yeah. a surprise. So to fill people in, in case you weren't weren't paying attention, I don't know how long ago this was. Now, at least ten years ago, two thousand seven. Okay, so more than yeah. more than that. Um, DP Review got sold or bought, I should say, by Amazon, um, which was kind of a head scratcher at the time. But whatever. I mean, it is what it is, mm -hmm. and I I certainly don't blame the ownership of DP Review for for cashing in. I mean, that's. Uh, you know, a good, it happens all the time in this business, you know, people, mm -hmm. people get bought out all the time. Um, but yeah, I think, I think what happened is that now it's being looked upon, not for any educational or perceived value that it might have, but actual direct revenue value, which was probably somewhat limited, I guess, because, you know, hit the chopping block I, I don't think it would have been acquired 
if it wasn't viewed as a way of making money. It just doesn't make sense for a company to right. acquire something just for fun or because, you know, software. Although it happens. It happens by accident. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. Um, but um, my own personal take on it, this is going to be a little bit different. I suspect Amazon probably actually kept it going longer than it might have otherwise. And they probably did more with it than might have happened otherwise. And I will bet you that years ago, Amazon started the process of thinking, does this really make sense? Mm -hmm. Should we try to divest it? I bet they probably had private discussions with people for many years and just couldn't make it work. Mm -hmm. But that's just a guess. It's just a guess. Yeah, who knows? It's just, it's, it's just, you know, like I said, I, I don't want to say it's like totally surprising, but it is, it is pretty wild to see this, the largest of the photo discussion forums disappearing like that, yeah. you know, just so, so abruptly that, you know, and it, it does suck in a, in a way, um, even though it's been a long time since I've participated in anything there. Um, it, you know, it's still a place that I would occasionally go to for, reference and review mostly just to look up you know reviews but also you know occasionally you run into a little glitch with something you just want to see if someone's got the same mm -hmm. experience you know it's, yeah. it's it can be helpful um but as with all things you know just keep in mind i think i think somebody put it best years ago years ago that if you were a i think you've even said this rick i mean going back to you know when we first started this podcast as part of a photography forum um if you were an observer from outer space and all you saw were forum posts about <laughs> products that were, you know, it doesn't matter what it would be. It could be mm -hmm. cameras or cars or refrigerators. You would think there's no way in hell anyone on this planet could design anything that worked. Right. I mean, just crazy. Just because most of the time, and this is the filter part, when you go to a forum, people go there to complain. They don't go there because they've got this right. gushing, you know, oh my gosh, look how great, you know, this company was. <laughs> you know, it's they go because they have a problem. Uh, and if someone does post something positive like that, just wait five minutes and there yeah. will be someone raging against that same company yeah unfortunately yeah it does happen so you know you got to take it with a with a grain of salt now there are some other outlets that are still out there um for forums and facebook groups so i'm, I'm sure everyone will find a home eventually but yeah. uh you had a good piece of advice when we were talking about uh yeah, my advice would be as much as possible people convert the forum time into photography time i couldn't agree more i get I, out there do some actual photography in the field or whatever type you enjoy and just think, have fun. I think those, you know, for, for despite the value of information, those things can become such a time suck and such an obsession in some cases that you just, you don't care about taking pictures. All you care about is proving your point. Yeah. Or but just I, getting into some kind of back the other and piece forth. of advice is maybe listen to our podcast in the car as you drive to some, great location or walk to it or whatever there you go <laughs> provided you stay awake and don't you know yeah you, listen at your own risk yeah. okay rick well that's that was some 
you it was know, a surprise though. That's yeah, that was a that was a curveball this week. Um, now let's move on with our continuing features of finding interesting photographers to discuss, historical or or contemporary. And this week we're going to do a historical photographer, but an absolute heavyweight. And why don't you introduce us to this photographer? Because sure, you know, like, again, kind of like last week, this was someone I was first exposed to when I was in junior high. And um, person we're talking about is Margaret Bork White, and we'll put a few links uh, in our show notes. You know, that show up on Facebook and on your website, so you can see her photographs and some articles. But oh my God, what an amazing person! Um, you know, one of the things I did not realize uh, until doing a little bit more research, because I was familiar with some of her very famous photographs mm-hmm. that we'll talk about in a few minutes. But she, she was with Life Magazine for a long time. And what I did not know was that the Life Magazine that most people think about, which started in about 1936, was actually the result of uh, a failure of a previous Life Magazine and then being bought by the guy who did Fortune Magazine and Time. And so it, it got completely rejiggered into a photocentric magazine that had fabulous work in it. But Margaret Bork White, and we'll talk more about her her history, she was part of that initial crew, and her photograph was on the first cover of the yeah. new Life magazine. And uh, what it made me think a little bit about, too, is how one of our previous guests in our podcast, Joe McNally, was their last staff photographer. So it's just kind of an interesting set of mm-hmm. bookends there, mm-hmm. in certain respects. But oh my God, the stuff that she did! I mean, um, depending on what you read, you'll see things like first Western photojournalist going into the Soviet Union, first woman combat photographer, and I'll be honest with some of these things, I don't know if someone was sloppy in their writing and it could have been American. Uh, that seems more likely to me, but it could be real. Um, and either way, it's an accomplishment. But, you know, she was an embedded combat photographer in World War II and in the Korean War. Yep. You know, she I mean, was on, she rode along on Allied bomber strikes in the aircraft. Right. She was with Patton. You know, she photographed Roosevelt and Stalin and Churchill during the war. Um she did depression era photography prior to that. Some extraordinarily famous photographs from the Dust Bowl and Depression era. Um, you know, where I think everyone has seen her stuff. You want to talk a little bit about the Gandhi stuff? Yeah, so that was interesting. So she happened to be in, there's a very famous photo of, uh, of Gandhi that people have seen um, where he's, at his spinning, uh, spinning wheel. So that in was his bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. And that was in 1946. So she was in, um, she was dealing with uh, photographing India and Pakistan. I mean, there was mm-hmm. this in the, in the forties and, you know, obviously Gandhi was involved with the whole independence from British colonial rule, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it was, it was interesting that she happened to interview him in 1948 um, and photograph him hours before he was assassinated. 
Yeah. Talk about being in the right place at the right time. I mean, you know, to get that, you know, there. Um, but, but a lot of these photos were in life magazine. This is where they were. were um, and so she was chronicling all these things to the, to the whole world, all this, all this uprise. Um, you know, interestingly, she got started in architectural photography, very interesting. which really isn't, you know, and, and commercial photography. Um, and there was this interesting story. It was just in the, you know, where, where she was trying to take pictures inside steel mills and the fact that they let her in as a woman in that time, because you got to understand that, you know, uh, there was a, a certain bias to whether or not females were even good enough. I mean, women could even do a job like or do something in a handle the heat of a steel mill. Right. Mm-hmm. And the funny story was that, you know, you can imagine, you know, they're pouring molten steel and you can imagine the orange and the, you know, the bright light. And it wasn't recorded on the film <laughs> because the black and white film was more sensitive to blue light than reds and right. oranges. And, and so, so it was just like, wait a minute, it was just a black emptiness. <laughs> so she had to work and figure out ways to photograph that. And it turns out she was using magnesium flares to light stuff up in the, wow. in, in the, um, in the, uh, in the foundries there. So it was just like, um, you know, but it was, they, they got her attention because they were some of the best photographs of that industry in that time. This was, you know, in the, I think late twenties, if I, you know, or something like that. And, um, you know, she got hired by life in 36. So this is, you know, that's a big deal. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and you mentioned Dust Bowl. I mean, this was going on at that time. So she was previously a photographer for fortune magazine, Mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. Um, and, and she was allowed in the Soviet union in 1930, which is pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, all things considered. I mean, she was the only, I think she was the only American or Western photojournalist in the Soviet Union when Germany violated the non-aggression pact and basically mm. brought them into the war. There was something about that. Um, and she took photos of Stalin and famous portraits of, of mm-hmm. the allied leaders. Um, the photo that you might have seen and you don't know it's necessarily it was hers is that is the people standing in line for food or welfare line or whatever it was with the big billboard of the car, the world's highest standard of living. There's no way like the American way. And you've, if, if you haven't seen this, you've probably been living under a rock. Um, well, you'll see it in, in one of the um, web pages that we'll link to, like but it was in the show notes, you know, so this was from 1937. You're in the height of the depression. There's people standing in line. They're all people of color. And, you know, it's, um, it's kind of telling that you've got this really upbeat, almost propagandist, you know, billboards, of course. Um, but you know, the, the juxtaposition of that is pretty stark. Yeah. And, and here's this, you know, it's a black and white photo as many of hers, most of hers were. Um, so that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, what else? Well, I, I, I will say having been in the, in Gandhi's bedroom years later with my son, I remembered her photo. You know, that's what flashed through my mind having seen that photo mm-hmm. when I was in junior high. And then I was in the place where she took it and that Gandhi was out, you know, right mm-hmm. <laughs> before he was assassinated. Um, so, you know, her, a lot of her photos had tremendous impact 
He really did. Amazing person. And, you know, one little piece of trivia, if you ever saw the very excellent movie, Gandhi, um, you know, that one best mm-hmm. picture, um, she was actually in that movie. Her, um, it was Candace Bergen playing her. But, I, you know, I remember Candace Bergen in there. Mm-hmm. So if you watch that, you'll see Margaret Bourke-White. Yeah, that's uh, so. If you um, and there were other movies made about her too. Sure. No, I was I was looking at uh, um, a link that you found. If you wanted to find some of her photos, there's a there's several. There's many of her famous photos are are online at the uh, Art Institute of Chicago, which is a good a good museum, great museum, excellent one. And and so that some of these ones that we're talking about are there. <laughs> you know, not not the least of which is like out of the shooting out the back window of a, of a super, uh, of a, uh, not supersonic, but a, a high altitude bomber in 1950. Right. I mean, it's like, okay, that's not a place you would just expect anyone to be. I think they were, I don't know. It looked like a B 47 or something like that. Um, yeah, you're the air force expert more than I am. Uh, but anyway, but just all, all these fellows now, sadly enough, she developed Parkinson's disease in the fifties and passed away pretty young, 67 in 1971. So, you know, people in my generation probably, you probably know her photos more than you might've known her name, just depending on where you, where mm-hmm. you came from. But, you know, you talk about a, a, a heavy hitter and she is definitely um, checks every possible box for just being what was your term a badass yeah. <laughs> very true just look at the wikipedia article on her and it's like oh my god i feel like such an enormous slacker <laughs> yeah well you know i i think one of the things you can do with um i mean okay we're not going to go become a war correspondent anytime no, soon probably not but the nice thing about this exercise is, and what I hope we can bring to our listeners from, you know, bringing, having some biographical information and you look at their photos and you, and you ask yourself um, a couple of things, you know, like what makes them strong? Is it just the subject, you know, or is it, or is it different? Like that photo of Gandhi with the loom, I mean, he's not even looking at the camera. Is this not a portrait? No. You know, but it's got a lot of impact. Um you know, it's the setting, it's the, it's the, it's the processing. And I say that loosely, you know, it's the, the black and white and the high contrast or whatever. And you can ask yourself, and I think this would be a fun thing to do is take yourself a day or, or two or whatever, and say, today, I'm going to be trying to photograph subjects or in the style of somebody. Um, and just try to, to replicate that for your own personal, um, growth well and and i think an important element certainly of photojournalistic work and hers and and let's just talk about the gandhi photo with the spinning wheel being in the foreground and him being a little bit in the background and and seemingly not the Mm -hmm. um, focus the spinning wheel was extremely important because that had to it was symbolic of indian independence and being able to spin their own um, uh, stuff for textiles and things mm-hmm. like that. So it was all about the independence movement. That's what that photo said. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Gandhi, it's independence. So she figured out the context 
what was important and what kind of symbolism could be used to relay that. Now you could say those things don't apply to what most people do, but I think if you give it a little bit more thought, there might be some things there that you could incorporate into your own photography, even simple things like family photos Mm -hmm. stuff. Think a little bit about the context, what will matter 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and, and try to inject some of that look for those compositions and ideas. It kind of goes to, you can have pictures of people, um, but the, but the context includes foreground or background elements, Mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, the, it's like, what's the message? Right. Do you, you know, I'll hear Here's a silly example, but it's, it's obviously, um, realistic. You know, there's a reason why people do a family portrait in front of their Christmas tree. Right. I mean, it's, it's a background element that sets that's that mood for that particular photo of something that was important at that mm-hmm. time. And, and obviously those other objects, um, cause not every picture you're going to do is going to be just in front of a studio backdrop. Um, you want it to be more natural settings, but that doesn't mean you can't stage stuff. I mean, or, no. or move things around or, or, you know, include or exclude things from, from a foreground or background. So it, it's, it's just good to like wrap your head around this stuff and think about it and say, what are these things that I can do and go out and, you know, can, can you be Margaret Bork white for a day, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, and just see what, you know, could you be Eggleston? We talked about last week for a day yeah. and something that you and I both kind of like and might actually do a little more coming up, but uh, not everything is, you know, hot, high fidelity hdr kind of stuff so no no definitely not so um anyway uh, we'll have some links to um to some of these photos that we've talked about as well as some biographical information if you want to read more about margaret bork white but if you're going to put someone in your list of who you ought to know about as a photographer and a badass and a badass (laughs) this would be a great choice so this would be a very good thing so we appreciate um all of our listener feedback um if you've got a suggestion for a a photographer maybe one we haven't heard about as much that would be cool too um we're going to keep going through our our archives to see what what we can come up with but uh we have a pretty good list right now but would always be happy to hear we, if you haven't figured out, we really do like hearing from people. So if you've been a little bit hesitant to reach out and, you know, make a suggestion or whatever, please do so. We love Absolutely. That. And of course, the best avenue for that is just through our Facebook page, mm-hmm. facebook.com slash image doctors. Um, and with that, I think that's all the time we have for this week. We'll see you again soon. Happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>